Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hip Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. How are you? I'm good. I'm in Whitefish, Montana. Oh, I bet it's nice and cool. It's warmer than it is in Tacoma. It's actually quite hot here. Oh, wow. It's in the 90s all week. It's like, oh, it's in the 80s here. Yeah. Well, there's no humidity, so it's different. Yeah, it's different, but it's still not as bad as Kansas. I mean, Kansas was, when I rolled into Kansas yesterday, it was 104. Oh, gosh. 104. That wasn't real field temperature. That was the temperature. It was disgusting. But luckily today, rain, a front came through and it's nice and cool. So you were trying to give me a pep talk about driving because I hate driving. And it was like an eight and a half. No, because because you got stuck in that traffic stuff. Well, stuck in traffic through t- so every, every mountain pass. And I got, and I was like, I can do this. I can do this. And I got to about six hours and I was like, I'm going to kill Christy for talking to you. <laughs> I've got two and a half more hours to go. And Christy was like, and just get a book, blah, 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 blah. I was like, I'm sick of this stupid book. <laughs> I don't have any cell service to call anybody. My book was so bad. I was so ready for that thing to be over. Anyway. Yeah, mine was okay. <laughs> but you're on Whitefish for this weekend. I mean, it will be in the past, but you're at Last Best Ride. With the last best ride. So I'll see Jess and Laura. Lex is here. Uh, Janelle is coming up. So it'll be a fun crew. And then, of course, Libby, Claire, Saskia, that whole. Oh, and Celine. Celine's Celine. I'm so bummed. And then I'll be at Gravel Worlds. But so. that'll be exciting too. Yeah. I mean, maybe a little hotter. I don't, it's not supposed to be bad. It's not, it's, it's looking much better. So it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be a weekend full of women racing gravel bikes, having big adventures, and we're going to be there to cover it. So people can hear about it. If you miss it, (laughs) go back and look at our Instagram because you already missed it. Yeah, you missed it, (laughs) but it was on Instagram. You get to, you get to hear about it. So, and get inspired. Uh, Um, By the way, I know that this isn't um, anything official that we're doing, but um, I just got off a call for the rad, which is coming up uh, October 8th. Um, seriously, if you're near Colorado, 
New Mexico, that event is definitely worth is checking it gonna out. It's going to be rad. It's going to be so cool this year. I mean, for, I love, I love the course out there. It's great. The hundred mile is the sweet spot. Honestly, there's the three different distances, um, the stubborn Dolores, and then it's like, there's like the stubborn Dolores, there's the antelope and the, I can't think of the other one. Dang it. It just went out of my head, but the hundred mile spot, there's a, there's a, a longer one too, but like I did the hundred last year. It's absolutely gorgeous. So fun. All the aid stations are supported and, um, it, they do Trinidad is just such a cool little town. It's definitely a very artsy town. So they're going to have a concert. It's going to, I think it's going to be really, a, a really cool event. So just, if you don't have anything for October, early October, and you're thinking about, you know, something, this is just North of Santa Fe, South of Colorado Springs or Pueblo, whichever it is. It's, it's hard to believe the season's starting to wind down. I know. Cause we got big sugar coming up. We were talking about the rad just before this, before we had our podcast today, but I was like, dang it. We need more. We need to do a women's trip there for next year. We need to make it to Trinidad. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's easy to get Airbnbs. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, it reminds me of unbound slash DK back at the very beginning. And it's kind of fun to kind of come in and watch the town grow and do cool shit. So anyway. Yeah. I like that border of Colorado, New Mexico, I think. Because it's the Santa de Cristos, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a gorgeous range. It's so pretty. And the gravel is like is like the SBT gravel. It's like champagne gravel. Mm-hmm. It is. There's one section that's a little chunkier, and that's it. So beautiful. We should go. <laughs> we should go. <laughs> I can't think of another trip this year. I can't add. I cannot add more things to my calendar this year. Um, but it, it does, it has been on a list of like, oh, that sounds really interesting. I, I think I'm going to go to Big Sugar for media coverage again, because cool. it's the last Grand Prix race. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the plan. I've reserved a house, uh, a room at the Ross house. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. So we'll see There you go. about that. You know, we've got a little event to set up for in 2023. So I could get a little work Make done. Make it may, dual purpose. So work on that. Yeah. So how was Leadville, by the way, were there more women than the 12 women we saw there last year? Yeah, um, for sure. It was really good. And I think, um, I mean, I don't know if you, if you looked at the results and how they did, but it was, it was fast for sure. And Hannah Otto, she looked so happy. I know she's not had a great season, so it was good to see her so happy. She was riding injured. But, you know, I, I literally think she took a page out of the Rose Grant playbook, um, like just consistent Rose was the same way. I mean, they both were right there and Hannah knew like, you know, she, I think she was worried about Rose. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause Rose was a two time, two time champion out there, but, um, I mean, it just was so. I, I got to go out on course and just help with some of the coverage of it um, on course, which was really fun to see the women like working together. Um, Alexis Scarta was off the front at the beginning and I love it. Cause Mason, you know, he's like, she's got a two minute gap. And I'm like at mile 40, like that's a, there's a lot of racing left at Leadville and you know, the next group of women, you know, it was, it was coming in, they were coming in hot. So it was just fun to watch and be there to cheer them on. So. 
I'm taking your picture to send it to Libby because she told me they're eating barbecue while I'm here talking to you. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Libby. <laughs> they're eating barbecue. Not here at the barbecue place. Oh, Remember that barbecue place we yeah. went to with Blaze and we were like, oh, yeah. when are you going to propose to the alley? Yep. Yep. That's the proposal spot. That, well, that's where we suggest that took a year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was a it was at lead boat. It was after lead boat, after steamboat gravel last year that Allie and I were talking and I was like, I'll marry you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you officiated the wedding. I officiated the wedding. Yep. I married Allie and Blake. I keep going. You didn't marry Allie. <laughs> I'll marry you guys. And well, I, I, the verb, never mind. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, our guest today. She just did level. And while this podcast comes out, she's doing like a super badass race over in France that we get to hear a little bit about that. She was giving us some scoop on right as we hung up that they were a little nervous about her coming because they were afraid she's going to be faster than the men be faster than the men. That's what I say. We're going to have to get her back to hear that. Story. Yeah, I know for sure. So, um, but we, um, tried to have is King on for a year. We have finally gotten her. She had, um, she lost her dad last year around this time. So had some things that were going on and we finally got to ha- sit down and chat with her and she's real honest about, well, her fun story of how she got in the sport, but then making hard choices and the choices she's glad she made when she lost her dad. And, um, yeah, so I think she is the brightest woman in gravel cycling. So I think you will enjoy <laughs> this combo. If you haven't seen her, she's all kitted out in orange on the course. So it's her, it's her favorite color. It's not because of the sponsorship. It's because she loves orange. <laughs> so we will get to the podcast recording with this King. To live your healthiest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. It provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live a longer, healthier life. Inside Tracker can also calculate your biological age, which is the rate you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age. The thing we love most about Inside Tracker is that they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health, like food, supplements, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. And did you know that you can use your HSA, HRA, and FSA to buy any Inside Tracker plan? Which means you can purchase Inside Tracker using your tax free dollars. Oh, and it gets better. For a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with the science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, visit InsideTracker.com slash feisty. That's InsideTracker.com slash feisty. I have become the person that starts the podcast now. I'm not really, I, I don't know when the shift happened to all of our uh, listeners out there, but I think it was about a year ago. <laughs> it's a good I, honor. I feel like I'm a, it's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's a promotion. I'm, I'm proud of the yeah. way you've grown in your confidence for starting the podcast. My big girl Shammy is on. <laughs> <laughs> it is on. Okay. We have a guest that we've been trying to have for about that long. 
that's, that's Actually, so almost exactly a year. I was thinking about oh it. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that voice is Isabel King. Do you, do you prefer is, or do you go by Isabel? Uh, either way, I think more in the bike world, a little bit known as is, is has always been shorter. So on the soccer field, it was is cause that's easier to yell on the field. Um, but Isabel is good too. Izzy, everyone, you kind of just like do all the variations on the, I'll kind of respond to whatever. <laughs> and if you don't know Isabel, she is the brightest and most on brand woman in tri- and tri- not triathlon in gravel, but you did race triathlon for a while. <laughs> We did. I've moved away from that, but uh, there was a point where, where my socks were shorter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, also I like- love that. I love the qualification of what made you a triathlete. <laughs> a triathlete. Shorter socks. <laughs> Forget the swimming and running. It's just the socks. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. We also have dropped those parts too. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us about you. Is Tell us how you got into uh, sport and your journey through triathlon and to gravel. Yeah. Um, cycling was definitely not the plan. Uh, I grew up as a soccer player, uh, in San Francisco. I was recruited to play, um, D one soccer at Columbia. Um, I moved to New York city. Um, I was a psychology major and then, uh, made the super logical jump into finance. (laughs) Um, so I worked on the trading floor for four years, uh, in New York city, before deciding that I wanted to get my MBA um, and get a more kind of fine, uh, formalized business education. Um, I got into UCLA Anderson um, and moved to Los Angeles uh, in 20, middle of 2017. Uh, in the summer, between quitting my job in New York and moving to LA, uh, I decided to sign up for a triathlon um, and actually discovered I was pretty good at them and I liked it a lot. Um, I had kind of assumed that my competitive days of soccer were over. Um, and then I found this new sport that I didn't really know. I mean, I knew it existed, but I didn't really know I was ever going to be into it. Um, I did my first triathlon the day before school started. I showed up to orientation with like the, you know, my age number on my cast still in the Ironman bracelet. Um, and it was immediately branded as this hardo triathlon girl who was like wearing bright orange sneakers and had a bright orange backpack. Um, but I kept training while I was in school. I had a coach. I did a kind of a 20 hour training week while also doing classes full time um, and networking full time, uh, which is a lot. But I ended up competing um, and qualifying to be a pro triathlete um, in my fourth Ironman race, half Ironman race, um, and decided um, it would actually be kind of a, you know, I would like to try doing it full time. So my plan was to finish my MBA. Um, and try being a professional triathlete, um, to see if I can be any good if I was, you know, actually recovering and not drinking six days a week and not doing a full course load. (laughs) Um, so I finished my MBA at the end of 2019, uh, and did one triathlon as a pro and then the world shut down in 2020. Um, so looking back, it was actually kind of a blessing in disguise. I got to take a step back and be like, ah, you're a really bad swimmer. The only reason that you're even like in the mix or good at triathlon is because you can ride a bike pretty well. Um, so at the beginning of 2020, the goal was to switch to being a pro uh, cyclist. The issue that in the road world, I'd never done any road races. So I'm, you know, I was solidly a cat five. The numbers were pretty good. Um, I managed to kind of get a little bit of uh, notoriety by using Strava and Strava QOMs. So I got almost 2000 Strava QOMs in 2020 and was able to kind of like reach out to some teams. Um, 
the issue was that I just didn't have any experience. So um, I switched the focus and decided to to try my hand at this gravel thing. Uh, and last year was my first year racing. And then here I am uh, a year later. <laughs> this has got to be, I, this is, this is literally uh, what I think of. <laughs> when I think of, when I think of is this, this was at the 2021 unbound event. That was my first race. Yeah. And, and I was like, what in the world? This cannot be possibly what I've chosen to do. It was so and, hard. Yeah, my husband, you know, snapped that picture. And then I was like, send that thing to me. That is amazing. And, you you know, you get full on is king there. There's like the orange <laughs> and like you can just see the effort that went into that whole thing to make that all happen. And I was just, yeah, I posted it on my Instagram. And the first thing Mason said to me, my son, he's like, I can't believe she doesn't follow you back. Oh, it's like, do I, not? I have no idea. This do was like, I, it was like I'm, two years ago. Don't it. Okay. I'm like, I didn't post the picture. So is King would follow me. <laughs> it just was like, but he was like, that's such a great picture. And I'm like, well, she should follow Tim, not me. He's the one that took the picture. I just posted it. <laughs> so. I am still, it's an interesting, I am still very like, I think bad at the Instagram. I'm, I'm getting better at producing the content. And then sometimes like things like that will be like, I can't believe you don't follow me back. And you're like, yes, I, what? Yes, I do. And then you like, I don't know, I'm getting worse. And you know, I get overwhelmed, but it definitely like, as of now, you kind of have to treat it like a job. I have pretty high like engagement on Instagram. And so it's an interesting, it gets overwhelming, but especially like around races and stuff, but like it takes time to answer the messages and, and, uh, and kind of like curate what you want to put out into the world. Um, and I say curate in a, in a kind of, I don't know an interesting way in that like I try and be pretty real on Instagram and so it's actually it's it's curated in the fact that it's not actually curated it's just kind of how I'm feeling in that moment um and hopefully trying to keep it a little bit more real because as I said like this was not my plan and so it's kind of the the storyline and the trials and tribulations of someone that didn't plan on doing this I haven't done it since I was five um and I'm still really new um and so it's the learning experience and, and the stories that come out of it that I think are, are interesting. And I've been fortunate enough to have, um, a little bit of feedback that it's, I don't know, kind of been successful. <laughs> How did you go about getting 2000 QOMs in a year? Did you just like, <laughs> well, plan it you, out? it's a bit, it's a little bit. And there's a lot of like, it's, I was, so originally, uh, I reached out in 2020. I was like ready to give up, get a job. Like, um, I was like, I have an MBA. I can just like give up this bike thing. I, you know, nothing's coming back. So I should probably. And so I was trolling on LinkedIn, um, and just reached out to the president of Canyon Blair, um, more as that he'd had a really interesting background. And I was just like, Hey, this is who I am. I'd love to talk to you. I like love the bike world, but I'm also probably like looking, um, into getting back into some sort of, you know, other work. And he answered my message and was like, don't give up. Like I've had a ton of good mentors. Like, let me, let's talk to you. Let's see what we can do. Um, not even that it was going to be a Canyon sponsorship. He connected me with Laura King, um, and a few other people just to like talk. And basically his message was like, don't give up. Um, but I ended up signing, um, for 2021 with Canyon and my contract was, I got paid to go after QOMs. That was kind of the story. <laughs> That's um, amazing. And then, uh, they in some way maybe lucked out in that I showed up to these gravel races. I did okay. And they were like, Oh, weird. She's like, Oh, maybe a little bit fast outside of a bubble. Um, 
But in 2020, I think it's like the number is a little bit uh, kind of elevated in that people love their own Strava segments. So like Mandeville Canyon is one here that everyone just does. I did this morning. It's a five mile climb. That's pretty local in that five mile climb. There's like 200 segments. Yeah. So when I took the wow. QOM, I called it like QOM sweeping that like you took like from here to here, from here to here. And you took like Sam's interval and you took like, did it and they took the whole thing. And then they have like the real, real and the really, really, you know, like everyone tries to make their own one so that they can get. And so like, when you do take like a pretty prestigious climb, you get a lot. Um, which also makes it hurt more when someone takes it from you and you get, you know, 200 notifications that are like, uh-oh, 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 you lost your QM. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, either this was a car or, man, I just really got my butt kicked. <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to see that. Um, I need to see that on your social sometime, what that looks like when you get all those notifications. <laughs> that yeah, that's what you should post on st- social. <laughs> sure. Dude, I actually, I'm not kidding. We were eating dinner after Leadville on Saturday and I was like a shell of a human and I was so proud I reached my goal I was like blah blah blah. and I got I was probably like 20 because I got one of the climbs here it's called Yerba Buena and a girl that rides for DNA cycling went and took that QOM and I got all these notifications and I was like wow if I had had a bad race today I was like sitting you know in Leadville trying to eat some food and then I got all these notifications I would just been like plunged into despair That's <laughs> like man now I lost that one and I'm gonna have to maybe try and go get it again <laughs> I feel like you uh Phil Guyman needs to have you in one of his uh videos one of his worst retirement ever videos where you where you both are chasing one together you're getting trying to get the women's and he's getting the men's some crazy one. <laughs> it's fun. I mean, uh, we have friends around here. Drake Jewell has most of the KOMs now in LA. Um, he's one of the ones that we ride with and his are fun too. Um, so Drake's been there when uh, when I've done some of my QOM efforts and he's pretty funny because he's so strong and he's just like, hey, he's like, why are you breathing so hard? I'm like, Drake, because this is like, this is really hard. I know for you, this is not very hard, but for me, <laughs> it's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Drake makes him look easy. I make him look a little bit more dramatic, um, but still fun. But I am also thankful that racing came back and you kind of get to move away from that um, so that like you aren't plunged into despair when a QOM is taken because you have other stuff going on. Which is <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had heard you, I believe I heard you on a podcast and they were talking about your stats and how much time you spent climbing like in the year. <laughs> <laughs> and the, I can't remember who the podcast host was, but they were like, you might want to do some more like steady state writing to get ready for Unbound. <laughs> you were like, oh yeah. <laughs> So LA, I did not expect when I moved here, like LA is a pretty unbelievable place to train. Um, Payson and Kate Courtney and a lot of the pros come in the, in January to do their big training camps, um, which is really fun for someone like me that lives here. I kind of get to like, Oh, this is my home and you're coming to, to ride here, which is nice. Um, but it's nothing like unbound. We have no rolling hills. They're all gigantic mountains. So at some point you're doing a 3000 foot climb and then you have to descend. So you have a, you know, five to 10 minute descent always, which for unbound the first year, um, trying to train for it, like trying to find rides where you could pedal the whole time is really, really hard. Um, so it, uh, it definitely has its pros and cons. Um, we don't have beautiful gravel roads, but we have like pretty stunning mountains, um, both mountain biking, uh, and road riding, which is awesome. But so far this year I have, over a million feet of climbing. Um, the last two years I've done like 1.6. Um, so riding is my happy place. I average like 25 to 30 hours a week. Um, 
I finally started working with the coach this year and he's like, you know, always trying to get me to recover more, but my happy place is being on the bike. Right. Um, so <laughs> I try and find a balance. Well, and you had, you've had, I mean, your season this year, although you've done really well and you're participating in the, 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 um, lifetime grand prix, you did have a bout with COVID and we're definitely feeling that at crusher. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Coming off of that. Yeah. It's definitely the season I think has, uh, been a good, uh, resilience training. Um, I think it started out pretty strong, unfortunately, like I felt really good going into BWR and I was hit from behind, mm. um, by another cyclist ended up like with, I don't know if you can see it, mm. but Ooh, yeah. a pretty good gash out of my arm, um, ended up like finishing that race in sixth, um, despite like being 10 staples from the ER right after that race. Um, Holy crap. the, you know, the, the best moment was the doctor was like, wow, if you were, if you were a male, you would have passed out or died like well before the finish line. And I was like, wow. I'm telling all of my friends that hell yeah, <laughs> I guess women are just like better at blood loss from childbirth and all of that. So I was, uh, that was kind of a proud moment. Um, yeah, but I had that. And then obviously like with Mo's death, um, and then getting COVID, like it's definitely been a resilience training year. Um, and then obviously like I lost my dad in September. So it's, uh, almost been a year with that. So definitely, um, one that, you're thankful for the good days on the bike. Um, definitely. Yeah. You, you did now you went, okay. So you just, you're just coming off of lead boat, but the boat part fell apart. The boat, just the lead, the, the boat, just sunk. Lead the boat, sail. the boat sank. <laughs> the boat for sure sank. It was full of lead, unfortunately. It's um, a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I'm like, honestly, that story needs to be heard. Cause that is just, yeah. Yeah. I was talking to Sturmy and she's like, I'm so glad I'm not doing the boat part this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was an interesting, I felt a weird amount of pressure to do both. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think I did both last year. I treated it differently. I treated, they were both new and I was like, I'm going to finish this mountain bike and then I'm going to finish this gravel race. And my goal was to do well and let boat commute like as a unit. And this year, my goal was do well at Leadville because I want to get the big belt buckle. And that has a lot more meaning to me than my overall like lead boat time. Mm -hmm. So as a C-level dweller, I went absolutely as deep as I possibly could, probably to a point that like there was no amount of like water and food after that I could replenish to attempt to ride 140 miles the next day. Yeah. I still, I knew that waking up at four, you know four hours of sleep and getting up at four 30 in the morning the next day being like, this is not going to go well, but I'm the person that used to try. Um, I do think there's, it wasn't, it's funny. It's not a pressure from sponsors or anything like that. It's, you know, I don't know. It was an interesting, everyone else is doing it and I did it last year and I'm the person that likes these crazy two day things. And I should, you know, I should just like grit down and do it. And so I think like stopping was probably harder than harder for someone like me than just saying this is going to be a long day and I'm going to go slowly and it's going to take me 12 hours, but like, that's fine. Um, and I had to take a step back and be like, you're going to rate, like you're racing again for seven days, starting on Saturday. Like I'm going to do route France. So I'm about to get on a plane on Thursday. So like, it just wasn't worth it. Yeah. Um, but it's still like, you still feel, you feel weak. You feel like you're not good enough. 
And that I know like that comes from a lot from me. Um, but it's the first race I've ever not finished. Um, and so it was really definitely the, the boat part sank. But on the good news, like I had gone, the reason I like definitely wanted to do both was because Reggie was doing yeah. his first gravel race. And I was like, man, either I can be out here all day and kind of just like, man, man I'm doing so bad. Like, or I can call it and ride back to town and cheer for him and be there like an experience actually like his, you know, finish line. And, and it was well worth it. Um, which was good. So it was the right call on you. I also like, I'm one of those people I enjoy riding my bike so much. And everyone was like, I was was telling Catherine, I started out like, okay, we're just going to, we're going to be in the front group. We're going to stay with them. And I just like absolutely detonated and probably two miles. (laughs) And so I was just like, going backwards through groups and like unfortunately or fortunately I wear bright orange camo pretty recognizable and so everyone's like hey it's great job yesterday how you feeling I'm like terrible <laughs> like just like going backwards through groups and like um one guy was like man what you did in BWR was so crazy and I was like yeah actually I feel like if you could slice my arm open right now I like need some adrenaline like <laughs> adrenaline is a crazy drug and it'd be way easier to finish if I have something like terrible go wrong um but I did realize one like one lady was passing me and she was like how you doing and I was kind of grumbling and she was like but we're out here and it's beautiful and I didn't really even like have the energy to respond and that's when I was like you know what it's not helpful for me to be out here ruining everyone else's day because like a lot of those people are probably doing like the fastest race that they've ever done. It doesn't have help to have me in their group being like, I'm going so slowly. I'm so, you know, my legs feel so bad because like it just ruins their day. So my, my decision was more like, Hey, remove yourself from the situation. First of all, it's like not who you are and who you want to be. And then second of all, like it's not healthy. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately sometimes we have to listen to our body and, and that's, uh, I don't know. So it was the right decision. Definitely. Um, and I'm working on like not feeling I'm working on being proud of what I did on Saturday. Yeah. You a hundred percent should be proud of what you did on Saturday. That was, yeah. I'm it's yeah, it's impressive. And honestly, from the event promotion side, I had this conversation just shortly with Sarah. Um, because I, I, she's like, is this going to continue to be a thing? And I'm like, look, Leadboat was supposed to happen because they both happened on one weekend. At the same- An accident, yeah. right? And and I'm like, and it's going to happen occasionally, but really it was not. It, it I'm like, event promoters, we're not supposed to be these masochists that just like try to demand more and more and more and more and more out of athletes. Like that's not, it was supposed to be a fun thing and recognizing the fact and like, this is crazy. Let's try it and see what happens. But I'm like, this doesn't need to be a regular occurrence and an expectation of price. Like, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, I, uh. I ran into her at the finish line and like burst into tears. And she was like, here, do you want a bucket hat that says this is supposed to be fun? Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's good, good, good timing. But I did think I, the same thing, I talked to you a little bit before um, Leadville and that like, it does seem like because all of us, like we like endurance sports, we're masochists. We know that. And like the social media, you elev- like you escalate on each other. And I was joking. I was like, man, if this continues to be a thing, it's going to be there people doing the Leadville 100 and then riding their road bikes as the transfer in between oh, yeah. Leadville and Steamboat. No, I was fully prepared and then for that to happen. 100. Yeah. And I was like, I honestly, like I was going to, I was going to put it on social media and I was like, I can't put that idea out there because people will do it. And oh. we'll have people, Lachlan Martin. Lachlan's going to do then, it. Lachlan will do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, and then it's going to be like, oh, you got a ride from Leadville to Steamboat? Like you're weak for doing that. And I was like, nah, no, like at some point we do, for like everybody's sanity and health, like 
we can only push our bodies so much. And so like, there's an interesting, where do you draw the line question? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what are your, like, what are truly your goals? You know? Yeah. I think the Grand Prix series can also help shape that because there's six races you're racing for, for prize money. Right. And so you can't destroy yourself in other places. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. It makes you be a smarter racer. Yeah. Being in the Grand Prix, like puts a, a shell around your schedule where you're like every single month I have a race that I really care about. Um, and then beyond that, like pick and choose which ones like for me, like BWR is in my backyard. It was going to be like a race for me that I was going to be, I was in third place when I got hit. So like, it was going to, cause a lot of climbing is roads and gravel. It's good. But then I ended up like getting injured and that set me back. And so I was on the trainer like two weeks before unbound. So instead of doing like the crazy eight hour rides that I was doing the year before I was doing like, three hours on the trainer and like collapsing, you know? So you're like, I don't know. So you definitely, it's, the sport is dangerous and you definitely do have to pick and choose. Like, where are you going to, where are you going to risk, um, getting hurt? Did you get hit by a car or a person? A cyclist. It was like, we were all in a pace line and there was a badly marked right turn. And so like the first two guys missed it. And I like, kind of like sat up to be like, Hey guys, we got to go right. And the guy behind me, like had his head down to try and like, we were going really fast. Um, and so he just hit me and he uh, got off a lot worse than I did. His collarbone was like sticking out of his skin and he Ooh. was laying on the ground. Like, I'm so sorry. Is. And I'm like bleeding everywhere. And I'm like, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I was only in third. Was- you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> this poor volunteer that who was there. Oh. I was like, jump duct tape in your car. I just need to like wrap it up. It's fine. And she was like, I have a mask. And so we used a mask and like put a mask on it. And then I rode to the aid station and someone like kind of wrapped it in gauze. Um, but it was still like, it was pretty gross. It was dripping blood the whole time. Ten stitches. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. And then like I crashed on it again and that was probably a low point where you're like, man, like this. Yeah. And like broke my bike. So I only had the big ring for the last like oh, 75 miles of that race. And as notorious as BWR is like, it goes up this gigantic hill at the end. <laughs> like, at this point, like absolutely cannot give up. Um, but Definitely. Again, if we're in it for the stories, that was one of the ones that was a good story. <laughs> that is a good story for sure. <laughs> Someone was like, "You should get a tattoo to remember it," and I was like, "I got I, one." Yeah, I did it. Scar. I got this. I got this scar. Bite. Yeah, it's already there. <laughs> There's this meme that's going around. I saw it briefly yesterday, but it was like, was a woman, a female cyclist with her knee bandaged and blood going down her leg, and it's like this women's sports. And then it was a guy on the ground in the soccer game. You know how dramatic they are when they get, and he's like holding his fake injury. It's like men's sports versus women's sports. Awesome. I like that. (laughs) Guys are tough too for anybody that's listening to our podcast. (laughs) Just saying. They they can be. How about, how about, uh, let's talk about attacking in the feed zones. So I was made into a, I was made into a meme about why uh, female grab racers don't have mustaches too, and I was like, oh, now I've made it. You wait, what? You were made into a what? I can send it to you guys. I mean, it was just like it was one of those. I don't know. It was well because everyone is making all the jokes about its mustache wars and its Pete versus Basin and blah blah blah. But I don't know. I think it was. <laughs> The feed zones at SBT are notoriously bad. So I think it was just like all kind of blown out of proportion. Everyone loves a good drama story. I um, loved Marley's comment back. Did you see that? That was perfect. Oh, so good. So right? good. What'd she so say? Good. What'd she say? Basically, like, why don't you re- try carrying some real weight, guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. I'll challenge you to a weight war. Let's have a canned food drive. <laughs> but it was kind of funny because it's, I mean, it's always that like, you know, the drama around that and the drama around arrow bars and the drama around, like, it's just like this constant, like, what are we going to, what are we going to worry about now? And I'm like, just ride your bike, do the feed zone. Don't do the feed zone. Figure it out before like, I think you race. It's an interesting, like, because this world is relatively new, it's gaining popularity really fast. It's an interesting, like, from your perspective as a race organizer, like what are the rules that you do put in? Like it's the all about like no rules, but like there are rules. Like you can't ride an e-bike. Like it's not explicitly written out or maybe it is, but it like is. there are actual but, yeah. rules. Okay. So there are rules, but like this whole, like there are no rules, but there's unspoken rules. And like, I don't know, it's a, it's a hard thing where people get really mad about rules that aren't. But that's, down. that's what I think is funny is like, I'm like, we're not going to, I'm, we're not going to put in more rules. So that, that means like the gray area in, in, in a weird way. It's like, if you think about it, it's up to the athlete to interpret. Well, for female gravel racing, it's especially hilarious because it's like, you may draft off the other males that you're racing with, but not if you're related to them and not if you're wearing the same kid as them and not if they're your boyfriend. But if it's anyone else, you're definitely welcome to. What, you which know? is not like, even like, that's and, and truthfully, that's not even that's what's happening from a, from an event promoter's perspective. That's not the way it is. Like you can show up with your boyfriend. You know, um, I mean, I think I think there's some things in all of it that that do deserve some attention, and as the sport grows and evolves, that need to be continually looked at. But I'm also just like that. What you said right there, when we've had those conversations, I'm like when female athletes have come to me and they're like, we don't want to see male teams supporting their female rider, their female team member out on course. I'm like, okay, so how do I monitor that? Because literally you could just show up and not be in the same kit. And then I don't know. (laughs) And I think like the other answer, like people are like, you should just have female races, but these races are so long that as soon as, until we have a thousand women running, signing up for a race, like if you make it an all female race, like if we race on Saturday and the guys race on Sunday, mm-hmm. like it just turns into individual time trials. And that like, for someone like me, I love, like I can talk to a wall. So when I'm out there, I'm riding, I'm like, even when you're hurting, you're kind of like in it with whatever group that you're with. And like, I end up like making kind of new friends mm-hmm. because you get to be out there and like, yeah, you're riding with people. And I had people come up at Leadville. We're like, we rode together, you know, this, and I'm, you know, blah, blah. I hope I can keep up with you tomorrow. And I'm like, um, same. Um, <laughs> maybe you don't maybe not tomorrow <laughs> well one guy was like we should totally and I was like what do you think you're gonna do tomorrow he was like 7 30 I was like I mean yeah if I can keep up with you I'll probably win for the women that'd be great <laughs> but I do think like the whole point of this sport is that like everyone's in it you can be a professional you can be your first gravel race ever um you can be, you know, 15 or you can be 85. And like, we all have kind of a common goal of, you know, going out there and seeing what happens and, and finishing. Um, so I do think like, there's an interesting, like, there's a lot of like articles or press about like the, you know, 1% knife edge that's at the front of the race, but it, you know, there's thousands and thousands of other people that are out there having their own experience. And, and for this world, like the reason that people like me are, paid to go do this is because of all the other people that show up. Like if these races were 15 people each, like nobody would care and I wouldn't have a job. Yeah. And I also, I really want to, I really, at least at this point at this juncture, um, I got to talk to Kate a lot this past weekend. Um, and you know, I'm like, 
I think part of the reason, I also think part of the reason that you have a job is as a female cyclist racing gravel, we've created a space and an audience for the gravel cycle, the female gravel cyclists to be able to make money racing their bikes. And that wasn't the case. And that's because of the mass starts. And we've been able to have them focused. It's been easy for me to tell people when they're covering my race, if you're coming here, you have to cover the women too. Like it's not, you, you have to cover both races. Um, we don't just cover one race. So, yeah, as someone that I, I don't, I still don't know what gravel was like three years ago or four years ago, because 2021 was my first year racing. Um, but as someone like I came from the business school background and so I had like kind of a different view into it and that you're like, okay, you're entering this world. And if you take it from kind of like a branding perspective, like where are the things that you, where can you add value and what is your story? And then like, where are you going to like find your place? And for me, like personally, the goal is always to be the fastest, but then also like the goal is to, I kind of found like just in the cycling world in general, like once people are fast, they're no longer friendly. Like you're, once you're fast, you're allowed to show up to the group ride and you can put your sunglasses on and you don't need to hide to anyone. And I think it's an interesting, like trying to say like, it's okay to still be smiley and take selfies and, you know, be a little bit out there and wear bright orange and try your best. And still, honestly, in the end of the day, like I'm still trying to rip people's legs off, but you know, you're also, <laughs> you're going to do it with a smile on your face, hopefully. Um, and I think Sarah Sturm does a really good job of that where like she, she braces her ass off, but she's also always just like such a good ball of energy. Um, and so I think like in this world, even the cycling, like female world, there's, you know, the girls in the world tour that just race their bikes really, really fast. And there's even girls in gravel that like just want to win the race and that's all. And maybe they'll post about it a little bit. And then there's the flip side, like there's just straight influencers where you don't really ride your bike, but you're well endowed and you have a lot of followers and that's a different world. But there is like this world um, kind of in between mm-hmm. where you can I still haven't won a race. That's obviously like on the bucket list, but I've had a lot of success um, being able to connect with people and hopefully bring more people into the sport. And as kind of, I think for me, a lot of my life, I have been like in kind of a male dominated world, Um, whether it was like growing up as a tomboy, just always being the one that wanted to play the sports, Um, going into finance, like being one of the only women in the room always. same with business school, like it's still pretty male dominated. And then now in cycling, um, this might be a unique view on my point, but I always kind of feel like it's kind of a fun, powerful position that you have, that you have the opportunity to be like representative of a greater population. Um, if you're the only female on the group ride and you absolutely drop the crap out of most of the guys, if that's their only experience riding with a girl, maybe next time they like don't assume that the female on the group ride is going to be super slow. Like maybe they don't, you know, give a patronizing push to someone, um, you know, just because they have a ponytail. Um, so I think it's an interesting, I was talking to my mom about it and she was like, I think that's just you. I don't think most people feel that way, but, uh, (laughs) I, uh, I don't know. I think it's a unique opportunity that you can say, like, if there are less women, there is almost more responsibility on us that are in it to first of all, be inspiring to more people to get into it, but also to be representative of like, if I'm on one of the only female gravel racers that someone follows, like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And how do I present myself, um, to be representative of a greater, um, kind of community? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Well, you're getting ready to go uh, do something really fun. So tell us about what you're going to be doing. You'll be doing it next. This podcast will come out next week. So you'll be doing it while the podcast is out. Very fun. Um, so I'm about to go to France to do the Haute Route Alps. Um, I have never ridden in France. Um, I had already signed up for about, I was super inspired by the Tour de Femme. And I was like, I'm going to be there, I'll be riding those roads. Um, so they marketed as the most competitive amateur stage race. I am still a cat three on the road. Um, so I'm well within the amateur uh, designation. Um, it'll be interesting. Um, I think most people know this race from Icarus. Um, originally in that, in that movie, he was doping to try and win this race. And then obviously it kind of spiraled off the, off the rails with the Russian doping and all of that. But uh, that's been fun. And people are like, what race are you doing? I'm like, have you seen this movie? Like, like oh, the movie's not about it. Originally, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and and where, um, where in France is it? Is it in some? So we start in Nice, um, and then, which is on the coast. And then we go um, seven days inland to Megève. Um, so it's pretty, there, our first day is 114 miles and 14,000 feet of climbing. Um, it'd be interesting because these roads are, it's like a, you know, 20 to 30 mile climbs. This like, is your oh, jam. Please. You're like, finally, <laughs> a 20 mile climb. Give it to me. I'm super excited about that. I think, uh, it's funny trying to balance, um, being, a full-time cyclist with also being a 31 year old where all of your friends are getting married. Um, so you're like kind of not obligated, but like, you know, a lot of close friends and family members are getting married this year. So every weekend from here on out, I either have a wedding or a race, um, which is a pretty exhausting combo. I haven't decided whether racing or going to weddings is more exhausting. Going to weddings. Um, <laughs> right? Honestly. I think they're both hard to recover from. Uh, Crazy. July was like I'm full like, of weddings for me. And I was just exhausted when I got back. You got COVID on the well, way back. Yeah. I mean, but I like, was tired already. Like, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's an interesting, it's gotten a lot harder in 2020 and even in 2021 when it was still like, COVID still existed. So you didn't feel like you were missing out on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like now that everything in the real world outside of cycling is fully back to normal. Like I've been super stressed recently because you feel like you're being a bad friend and being a bad, you know, family member and being like not full on cycling. Cause you're trying to like kind of do everything and everything is like opposing itself. Um, and so it's a hard thing to balance. Like in theory, this, I, like, I don't say this as like, woe is me. It's so hard to be like a, you know, a professional gravel racer, but it's an interesting, I never expected to have like, you, you think it's so glamorous to be like, you just ride your bike and that's no. for your and work. But then as soon as you think that you're like, but then I can't go to the bachelorette party right. and I can't go and like do this. And I can't see, you know, I don't see business school friends because like the majority of what we did was like going out and like drinking kind of, yeah. and like socializing. And so if I'm, actually trying to be a serious bike racer, like you lose contact with a lot of those yeah. friends. Well, that's, I mean, I, I was talking to Pete after SBT on Sunday and he was feeling, I mean, he just had two twins, right? So he's feeling yeah. he's, you know, and, and, and his daughter was just getting out of getting to go home and having her first pediatrician appointment and his son's yep. still in the ICU. And, you know, we were talking through it and I was just like, you, you gotta, this is your job. Like, you know, that like, and, and I, and I think that that's something that we forget, like this literally racing your bike is your job. So yeah. it, it doesn't, it's yes, it can be fun and it's a super exciting, exciting career, but it's also a very serious career in the fact that you have to, you have to do certain things. And so family, 
I think that's the hardest thing with the bike racing thing is that family and friends, a lot of times don't associate it with it being work when it's a hundred percent work. Yeah. And it's a, it just, it feels selfish. Like you're like, Oh, sorry, I need to go for this ride. Like Pete and I talked about a lot. I was in San Francisco last week. Um, and so in his, his twins have been at UCSF Mm -hmm. and my dad, when he was sick was at UCSF. And so a lot of his like one hour Strava rides that are around the hospital, like been there, like, it's like a terrible feeling when you're like, okay, I need to like, I need to just go for 90 minutes. And a 90 minute bike ride is a really short bike ride. Mm-hmm. And the look on like my sisters and my mom's face to be like, you're going to be gone for an hour and a half. And you're like, okay, I'll just go for now. You know, like, it's just like a stress. And obviously like last year was a very different situation. And I regret like, absolutely. Like I think this year, um, Like this weekend last year was the last weekend I raced. Um, and I don't regret at all um, not going to the four races that I had on the calendar for the rest of the year. Um, obviously, because at this point in my life, I had one month left with my dad. Um, but I think definitely like we were talking about it. Like I called us Sarah and I was like, I'm not going to make it next weekend to your race. And I felt so bad. And I felt like, like, you know, I wasn't going to be relevant if I didn't go do that race. And I wasn't, you know, people were going to forget about who I was if I wasn't there. And looking back, like I have no, absolutely no regrets for missing Rebecca's private Idaho and just Sarah's race last year. Like, what I learned is like, there's always another race and like the belt buckle this year, like meant a lot to me because that was the, like the last race that I got to call my dad after and tell him I went. Um, and when I you know got home and I brought the belt buckle, he was so proud of me, um, that like racing it this year, like the goal was to get the big one. <laughs> and I know that I still have it. I don't know that he's proud of that. That's awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it definitely like, I don't know, it makes you realize like, I don't know how you balance the outside yeah. of bike life. Um, when, and I'm someone that like set up all of my brand partnerships to not be performance based because I wanted to be able to, you know, talking to people at the expo and, and, you know, being you know just me is someone that I'd rather be I'd rather um push myself my own competitive self rather than having like the money be determined by how well I do um and so like a lot of the pressure just comes from my own self but I do wonder like these people that only you know have been fast their whole lives and their contracts are probably set up to only have podium bonuses like how how they deal with the rest of families and friends yeah. and everything else in their lives or if it's just like everyone understands that that's what you do and and you don't go to weddings and you don't you miss birthday parties and things like that well I'm glad you took the time to be with your dad yeah I don't think you'll ever regret that decision not at all yeah. not at all I was listening to a podcast with Michael Phelps mm-hmm. and he was just talking about he felt like he like all the things he missed his whole life, right? Because yeah. 
he was in bed by eight o'clock at night. He was like this. He like the only goal was to be the best in the world. And then also how much that let him down. Yeah. Right. Because that was all he had. And so I think like there's, there's a balance. That's why I'm I'm a jack of all trades. (laughs) Master of none. I'm I'm really good at a lot of things, (laughs) but I'm not great at anything. (laughs) That's fine. It's an interesting, it's kind of like, that's how I felt this year. And that like, I've done bet. I did a 30 minute PR at Leadville. And last year I was 18th. And this year, I think I was like 22nd. And you're like, last year, this time that I did would have gotten me like ninth place or something. And now, so it's an interesting, like you girls this year are fast. And so not even that I'm trying to be like jack of all trades, but I am like, man, is it because I'm like still trying to see my family or still, you know, trying to keep in touch with friends? Like, are these girls just like buckling down and only you know training and all the time or are they just like better maybe that's the answer or maybe no, they're just been I, doing I, well, I think I think there's I mean I think the other thing too that you're seeing is that I know uh, lifetime in, in particular with that event we've really tried to get more women to sign up and for sure and I think part of the easy layups in those conversations is can we start with just some Colorado women like Stop going so big. And so then you, then you start getting people that are acclimated, you know, that you're, you know, that that they train there all the time. Well, even chemo, chemo is like next year, you're coming to Boulder, you're going to be here before the race. And I was like, next year, can I do this next year? (laughs) (laughs) We, we just assume we're like, oh, we can to be fair, like when they called to tell me that I got to the Lifetime Grand Prix, they were like, figured that you were like never going to come back to Lendl unless it was like part of a greater series. And I was like, hmm. not wrong. <laughs> um, I just, uh, Rose Grant was just on Payson's podcast and she's retiring. Oh and, um, oh my you know, she was talking, this was her last love, but she was like, I have to give up so much to train at that level. Like I have yeah. to give up so much time with my daughter, so much time. And she's like, I just, it's not worth it anymore especially as the women's field is getting faster and faster so i think it's just a balance right she's been racing for 10 11 years i was so. saying like the girls that have been doing this for so long like i'm on year one and a half and i'm like Phew. you're just so gonna get better too. So young. So I, I would i would not be yeah, i would not be like beating no. yourself up that you're a year and a half in and you're, and you're not getting you're, like how old are you 31 31 yeah yeah. 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 You're just, young. you're no, like, I'm telling you, women, women, like, I think there's something in that 33. I mean, you saw it in triathlete, triathlon, right? Like the best triathletes in the world are in there. Yeah. Mid-30s. Like the late thirties for me. And even, even into the early forties were just, you know, when I just didn't have to do anything. This is like, I'm not doing that that long. <laughs> hey, you have to do it for 10 more years. Oh Lordy. Not How many times do I have to go back to Leadville? <laughs> well, I do think too, like this world, even so far, like Never in my life would I have gone to Leadville if I didn't race bikes. And also, I was joking about it with my mom like three years ago. I was just starting to get into bikes. I didn't have a mountain bike, but I grew up going to Tahoe and we had like clunkers. So I had a specialized like rock hopper that had pedal cages on it, flat pedals with cages on the top. And my dad was a really good mountain biker. It was like, we're going to go do the flume trail. It's close to the house. We're going to ride over there. It's going to be great. I fell down so many times. Stupid pedal cage. You can't get your foot out. I was crashing everywhere. And I got back from that ride and I was like, it was a three hour ride. We went 20 miles. I hate mountain biking and blah, blah, blah. And, I, and that, te- that trail is not technical. It's beautiful. And my mom was like, and now you just did one of the hardest mountain bike races in the world. Like, 
end, you like went sub nine. She was like, it's pretty wild. It's been, I don't know, that was what, like four years from four years ago, you like swore that you were never, ever going to ride mountain bikes and that you hated them. And now you're like competing at one of the top (laughs) levels in the country. (laughs) I love that. So I think that about this sport, like for someone like me to be able to to just pick it up and say, I like to push my body and see where I can do. Um, it's been uh, pretty dang rewarding. Awesome. Well, we're going to be really excited to follow what you do in the next year or 10 years. I'm going to be excited for the next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where can people follow you? What's the best place to connect with you? Um, my Instagram is yeah, exactly. My Instagram is King underscore is I Z. Um, and then Strava Isabel King. Um, I usually post everything there. I don't hide anything. It was interesting. People are like, wow, you put all your power out there. And they're like, I don't know. Like still, if someone wants to try and beat the time, they still have to do that power. It doesn't help if I hide it. Like it's an interesting, some people get really like hide all their data. I don't even like the amount of effort on the people put into this stuff. I'm like, just ride your bike. Like stop worrying about like, I don't know. Okay, anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's fun. Instagram is, is probably the most, uh, kind of day-to-day updates that I do. And then Strava, um, just mostly the rides, although they just added video, which is, which is huge. Stoked about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is very fun. Next thing you know, there's going to be like TikTok style videos oh, all over Strava. <laughs> I do have a TikTok, but I'm not very good at it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today before you jet off to France. Um, it's good to finally yeah. get to have this conversation. With you. I guess one of the things that was canceled last year was, you know, this. So I appreciate you guys waiting, waiting a whole year to do it. It was worth the wait. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.